Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Your Money, Your Life podcast. We are at episode 162 of the podcast this week, and we have a lot to discuss. As Before we even get into it, make sure you like, subscribe, five-star rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening, and make sure you subscribe on YouTube if you happen to be watching the show on YouTube as well. This week, we'll dive right into the markets. The big thing that's happening in the markets and why more volatility is increasingly showing up in the markets is because we're trying to decide whether we are in... Uh, growth slowdown or growth and the economy are still fine. And we just received new data this week on the non-farm uh, payrolls report, which is coming out Friday. We also see, received the initial jobless claims report. Um, and that showed that, you know, it rose a little bit more than expected. So jobless claims, people, people filing for, you know, jobless claims insurance, that actually increased a little bit. Um, and so the market is reacting in kind this morning. Um, but in general, we saw the Fed, Fed Jerome Paul speak, the Fed chairman speak um, over the last couple of days. And his comments were saying that, you know, inflation has been lingering a little bit more than we expected. And we may have to push rates higher than we expected up to this point. So now the market's pricing in potentially a 50 basis points hike at the next meeting. Um, and so that's something to be to be watching out for. But the initial jobs, jobless claims hit 211,000 for the week ended March 4th. This is the highest level of the year since the t December 24th. Um, and we're continuing uh, continuing claims also hit a yearly high coming at 1.718 million. Um, so they're just showing it, it, it's kind of weird because good news um, and the job market is bad news and potentially for the equities market because this means the Fed has a lot more work to do. So that's the big thing that we're watching right now. But, you know, it's, things don't always go as people expect because we're still seeing equities market holding up and not be as bearish as many expected, um, despite the information that we just received. Um, in new, more recent news um, and business news, I always like to go over what's going on just in general all over all over business news big thing i saw was dick sporting goods um actually had record sales um and people are still spending that's the big thing with, with all these different areas of the economy they're still spending from consumers and dick sporting goods is a good example of that the retailer posted strong numbers on the top and bottom line they had a record 3.6 billion in quarterly revenue um and same stores same store sales grew five percent over the holiday quarter, which is seasonally a better quarter for retailers, especially with all the spending during Christmas holidays. Um, and so they posted strong numbers. And an interesting thing about that is just in general, if you're looking what's the the what's happening in sports and entertainment, the spending and money that's flowing into that area of the of the market, the economy is in quite incredible. There's so much spending going on in sports and entertainment. And you even see it trickle down to retailers. But if you look at it, stadiums being built, you're looking at the money being invested in different sports platforms. It is something that is um, booming, to be honest. It's really just booming off. Um, and that's something to keep watch on for everyone out there that is interested. So we've talked a little bit more about different companies and how they're being cost efficient during this time. And Amazon's taking another approach. One, they're, they had plans for another headquarters. They shuttered. Um, they've shuttered plans for a host of cashierless go stores and they're reevaluating that brick and mortar push that was so heavy in 2021 that a lot of companies were going to do they were going to grow by any means they were going to grow on e-commerce they were going to build brick and mortar to sell more because everybody was buying everything back then but that economic picture has changed a lot 
in the past 365 days. So now they're saying, all right, we're going to shutter those plans and, and move towards a more cost-efficient plan. And you're going to see a lot, a lot of companies do it. They're doing it with headcount, taking down headcount, and they're doing it by, you know, shuttering projects that were probably too overly ambitious, especially, especially during a time where uh, people are being, you know, less, less, um, less optimistic than they were prior to. Speaking of which, the D Department of Justice is trying to split up JetBlue's spirit takeover. So JetBlue um, um, and Spirit, we're going to do that combination. Um, and JetBlue is planning to buy, to acquire Spirit Airlines for $3.8 billion um, to combine the two budget airlines um, into one, which would have been, you know, a big takeover. Like the budget airline market is pretty much them. It's, who's Frontier under? Frontier is under one of them, Sun Country. I don't know where they all sit, but that would have been a huge, huge um share of the market if they were to be able to combine because combine because they're the two pretty much big names in budget airlines. Um and so the department judges saying this is not going to be a good thing for consumer because prices will go up when there's less options. Simple supply and demand economics 101. There's less options. So obviously the supply stays the same. You lower the options and the price goes up. And that's what the Department of Justice is worried about. The DOJ said, hey, we don't want this combination to happen because it's going to hurt consumers in the end. Um, and so they're trying to block this combination. Um, according to internal company documents of the DOJ sites in its complaint, when Spirit starts flying a given route, average fares fall by 17%. Meanwhile, JetBlue estimates that when Spirit's stop flying a route, average fares shoot up by 30%. Um, JetBlue has claimed that it's that by increasing its size with the purchase of Spirit, it could better compete with the big four airlines, United, Delta, American, and Southwest. But according to the DOJ, JetBlue isn't the disruptive force it once was and has evolved into an ally of the big four. Okay, interesting. So that's going to play out over you know months of legal red tape. And so we'll see if this combination happens. I don't see much. I don't see. It doesn't look good right now, but we'll have to keep watching. Um, new, new news out of Spotify. They debuted a new TikTok-like redesign for the company. I think this is a good move. The algorithms of TikTok have pulled in Gen Z like none other and have made them addicted to this platform like none other. And Spotify is doing a makeover to kind of make it look like you're streaming through, you're flipping through TikTok as part of their new vertical scroll program. It's short of short clips, music, podcasts, you'll be able to see as you are making your scroll. So the algorithm, they've changed it up a little bit to make it a little better. I'm actually a Spotify user. I'm not an Apple Music person. I am a Spotify user, even though for those of you Apple Music, I think the majority of people listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, which is totally fine. Um, um, but which is interesting to me because I've been always a Spotify user, but there's people out there that enjoy um the Apple Music and or Apple Podcast. Let me know which one you prefer in the comments. Biz School. So Business School, I, of course, went to the Chicago Booth University um, for business. And it was a great, great two years of life. And now they're doing something for the te tech job workers that have lost jobs in the recent year, recent months. Business schools are trying to woo them into getting an MBA by giving them um, relaxed admission requirements and a lot of different things, lowered and waiving application fees to get people, these talented people that have left, or actually I should say been laid off, you know, tech jobs or other jobs, um, and get them into 
business school to change careers, maybe go into consulting, maybe go into finance. But if you look at the the, the job market, it's actually going to be tech first, then it'll be Wall Street cuts, then it'll be Main Street cuts, as we talked about last time. So those other cuts are still coming down the pipe. Uh, I saw GM has just made you know some cuts this morning. Um, you'll see a lot more companies um, do that. But in regards to this, I think this is you know, for people that make the decision to go to business school, it's one or two reasons. I think it's you're making a career change. It makes all the sense. And you really can't only make, can only make a career change to top different industries, whether it's finance or consulting. If you get an MBA, that's like really the only route that delivers you on a platter to these places. That was a big reason for me is making that career change to a place that I really wanted to be in. And also if you're like in the Midwest or something else, and you want it to be in these other areas, you have no connections and no networks to these areas. An MBA from a solid program, it has to be a solid program that has an ROI, right? Maybe top 20 program in my estimation. The other ones don't really have the same ROI to feed you into these opportunities and to have you be recruited by these top um, top employers. Whereas the top 20, top 10 program has that, right? And Booth being a top four, top five program was able to allow me to do those things and be in front of these top employers when you want those opportunities and get recruited and get job offers. The only thing about it is the ROI if you're going to get the job offer that you need after going to business school. So big, big, big decision for a lot of people, but it may make sense if you're looking to make a change um, and the the school itself can give you the ROI to make that change. Folks, let's go to questions of the week as well as round tip. We're going to double it up because I have something interesting to talk about this week uh, as it relates to the market. So first question, question of the day. I'm not going to look at it. I want to make sure that I don't look before I, we're going to guess together. How many days does the average home buying process take? You may have heard of a 30-day close, but how long does the home buying process take to end? Okay, home buying process, how many days? I'm going to guess two weeks, especially in this market. I'm going to say no more than 14 days it takes to do a home buying process. Let's see if I'm right, folks. Oh, wow. Oh, no. How is that possible? Oh, okay. Home buying process. I was thinking home selling. Okay. Got it. Home buying process can be between 200 and 245 days, six and a half months to over eight months. That makes sense. Yeah, I would, I would make sense. Six and a half months to over eight months. You got to make sure you got the right place, right location, right schooling, all those different things taken into account. Of course, the finances, everything has to be taken into account before you do it. Um, and the house hunting is probably the, the most longest part of it. Um, but okay, that makes a lot of sense on that. And I guess wrong, man, we didn't guess together. I wonder what you said. Let me know in the comments. We've got another one coming up. All right, this is we're staying on the housing theme for this one. But what's the average price of a house in the US? What is the average price of a house in the US? I think it's 450,000 or something like that. I'm going to guess. Oh, a little bit higher than that. So as of January 2023, 535,000 and the majority of that increases came come through 2020, 2021. Um and it's reverting to the mean a little bit now as you're seeing prices drop a little bit. Uh but the median price is, is not falling as much, but you'll see the average Average home prices, different home prices fall across the U.S. Um, and the medium will probably come down as well. Um, but reversion to the mean, what does that actually mean? Um, double entendre there. Um, that is uh, what I want to talk about in this roundtable, this concept of reversion to the mean. Because if you think about what happened in 2020, 2021, everyone got a little bit discombobulated. And I was just funny talking to a client about the, the, the historia, we talked about it before, the historia of 2021, everyone got a little bit discombobulated about 
what exactly happens during investing periods during that time, during um, just in general investing um, and how much, you know, ROI you'd get or how much you earn from investing usually in normal times because it wasn't normal times. And so people have a little bit discombobulation about what the actual markets are here for. And if you're just supposed to put money in and just always grow every single second, it just gives you 20% returns. That's not what the market's there for. That's not um, what investing is is about, right? Like if you look at, I just had to pull it up. Average, you look at their annual change or percentage return, um, the S&P 500, which is one of the closest, most closely looked at market index. So in 2019, you had 30% return, almost. Uh, 2020, 16%. 2021, 27%. And then, we, of course, in 2022, we had the almost 20% down. And so far this year, the market's up 4%. But if you look at historical data, on average, compound, you know, if you average annual return for the market, it's roughly 7 8%, right? So 7 8%. On $100, that's 7 or $8, right? So you're not seeing in 2020, in 2019, you were saying on 7 or 8%, you were, you were seeing 28%, then on $100, you would have gotten $28, $29, right? So people aren't understanding what normal market times are and what you should expect from investing. And it's not just to put money in, it grows in all sorts of times. It's you, Your money grows over time at a conservative um, rate, and not just something where it just grows at all times. Um, and so people have to get a full understanding of that. And that's what the euphoria of 2021 did for people. It distorted people's thoughts. It put greed into the picture. And people took a big, big hit from that, um, it, it seems like, across the across the board. So understand what the market's here for. It's for ca- growth over time as a reasonable price. Um, it's not for euphoria. It's not for greed. It's not for just getting wealthy. No one's ever done that. It's about growth over time um at a conservative risk averse way um and yeah that's that's a good lesson for people to understand um and continue to to hammer down in their minds um during these times because guess what volatility craziness will always happen it'll always come back but how you approach that and how you get out of that is the, the smart way to do it the way we do it um is the best way to look at things going forward Well, folks, it's been another week. We are happy you joined us. Make sure you share, like, and subscribe and share this podcast with all folks around you because we do this every week and we'll see you next week.